podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm calling this talking with, because it's talking tactics, but we're not going to be talking tactics. We're just going to interview people who are in football, and it's going to be what it is. So I got the homie Toaster McKinday here with me, a.k.a. Scams. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm I'm good. So tell the people what you do first. Like, where can people find you? All of that stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how do I professionally <laughs> say what I do? I would like to say, and I took this from Maya Quadri, who works for Versus, and like he does a lot of independent stuff for himself. Uh, let's say I'm a conversationalist. I do a whole bunch of gamut of things. I, you know, my my main job, I work for CBS. Um, so you see the Champions League, it's part of, you know, I'm part of the team that does that. Um, but I also do a lot of uh, hosting stuff, a lot of writing, just a whole lot of stuff in the soccer community. Um, I feel that there's a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot of jokes to be had. There's a lot of just insight to have. And I try to strike, strike that balance between being very serious and also being very unserious. Um, I just feel a lot of times when people talk about soccer, they take it way too seriously or they take it way too loosely. And I'm just like, find that happy medium. Um, then that's kind of what I do. Just basically have conversations about soccer um, and do it in a way where it's, um, you know, we talk about culture in the same way. You know, how do you talk about the NBA and soccer without about you know, being real corny in the NFL, like what's happening popular wise. So yeah, I like to say I'm a conversationalist, which again, I took from Iowa Quadri. So shout out to Iowa. I know there's a bunch of people thinking that's the most we've heard the word soccer on this podcast ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I purposely don't like using football because it pisses people off when they hear the uh, word soccer. Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I'm like, like, bro, like the Brits invented it. Yeah. Like it's their word. Also, what? what are you gonna do? Like, there's nothing you can do if I say that word. You're not gonna fight me. Like, I know that much. So, yeah, I I find it funny. I know some people find it really annoying. But mm-hmm. one one thing you didn't mention that I want to highlight just quickly: shirtless plantain show. Yeah, the you the YouTube version, of the podcast is dope. It's funny. I fucking Thank you, that. appreciate even that. the fashion that you guys did. I mean, I'm broke. I don't have any money to buy clothes. If yeah. I had the money, I'd buy the whole thing. But yeah, no, it is. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate so, that. Shirtless Plantation Show. You guys got to check that out. So, first question I'm asking everybody: Who do you support? Manchester United since 1995. So I'm not one of these like new Man United fans. I'm an OG Man United fan. I've been supporting United for a very, very long time. Who's Who's your country? Nigeria. Always Nigeria, but I'm British born. So shamelessly, if England do well, we I'm doing well. But yeah, Nigeria all the way. So you grew up in Britain. I was born in South London, uh, 1990, was born in London, moved to America in 2001, been in America since 2001. So you moved when you were 11? I did. I moved here literally the okay. day after Leah died, and then I moved here to 2011. <laughs> it sounds dark, right? It got, it got real dark real quick. No, no, okay, no, okay. If, if, if I'll, I'll match you a celebrity death. Okay. With, we moved to... So I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia in okay. 1990. Okay. And we moved to the States in December 96. Okay. My birthday, August 31st. Okay. 1997. Do you know what happened on my Princess birthday? Princess Diana died. Do you know why I remember that? It was a Sunday. Yep. Me and my mom, excuse my English accent came out, and my dad and my brother and my sister, we're getting ready for church. Mm-hmm. And my mom, obviously, um, if you guys don't know, I'm Yoruba, so I speak Yoruba fluently. My mom yells in the house, Diana Tiku, which means Diana died. And my dad is like freaking out, well, freaking out. I'll never forget it. We turn the TV on and saw Prince Diana died. So mm-hmm. never forget that. August 31st, 1997. She ruined yeah. my birthday. Forever. I didn't even plan to talk about this, but 
my father, African. Okay, so first, my father's from Uganda, so I'm okay. Ugandan. I don't know what it is about African dads and the news. It's a trope. It's funny. Everyone does it. They all watch the news for no reason. They don't even remember what they watch, but they watch it. He takes a tape. Like, this is back in the VHS days. This this is the funeral. I had a tape that said Daniel's tape, and it had Babar. If anybody knows about Babar, the Uh, elephant. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. I have a wild Babar theory, but this is besides the point. (laughs) He took my tape and recorded the funeral on it. He over taped my tape. That is insane. That is some real. So I have a vendetta against Princess Diana. Everybody loves. I don't like her because she ruins my birthday every year, (laughs) and my dad ruined my bad boy tape. But Aaliyah is is a is a tragedy. So yes. And here's the worst part about Aaliyah. When I moved, I uh, two weeks later, nine eleven happened. Oh. Yeah, man. Then the DC sniper happened the year after. But we're getting off topic. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I was in Virginia those times, and Man, I thought he was going to come from D.C. to Southwest. There was no way he was coming where like the, the rural whites were. Nah. But yeah, I thought I thought I was in trouble. I, I remember, like in the basement, there was like a window. I remember looking out the window like, "Yo, they gonna come get us!" Like I don't yeah, know. It was, it was, it was scary. all scary. But anyway, so what made you choose Manchester United? I'll never lie to you. Um, so basically, Andy Cole, um, big, big time Andy Cole fan. That is one of my favorite players ever. Um, I love Andy Cole. Um, like, he's my own. Um, there's a joke that Andy Cole doesn't really finish his chances, but that's another story for another day. Andy Cole started off at, um, he started off at Arsenal, moved over to Newcastle, mm-hmm. moved to Man United, saw a black guy who looked like me, sold completely. And obviously, United were doing well back then. Andy Cole sold me, and um, yeah, that was that. I think my favorite Andy Cole fact is that he didn't take penalties because they weren't really goals. No. <laughs> and he's still, I think, top five in the Premier League, maybe top six now. Yeah. You know, I've always been curious about this. What is it about Manchester United that appeals to people in London? There's so many clubs in London to pick from, especially in your time. Definitely Arsenal would have been something that you could have easily slipped into by accident. Not even by accident. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> I think everyone kind of sometimes thinks I'm an Arsenal fan. Like people yep. think sometimes I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think and this is, you know, and I and this is gonna lead into Man City talk, but the same way like a lot of people are City fans now, right? You see the team who's winning, a lot of people are front running fans. Like it is what it is, man. I don't care what anyone says, like you become a front runner, like people like the team that's winning. The United was the team that was winning back then. Yeah. Um, and for me, like obviously, like I seen a black guy who was looked like me, loved him. Eric Cantona was talking crazy, loved him. We had the Beck story, like Bex was there. So it was like just the right time for me. And actually, part of the real reason why I like United is to be a hater. Like I think a lot of people who follow me on Twitter and on socials in general know that like I'm legitimately like a pure hater. Like I do not like things. Like if you like it, I hate it. Like I hate it. I'm gonna find a reason to hate it. So my dad's a Liverpool fan. Like my dad, uh, um, John Barnes was his was his gateway, was it? Oh, John Barnes, yeah, man. My dad moved from um, Nigeria back to London in the eighties. First game he ever saw on TV was John Barnes on uh, Liverpool. And he became a Liverpool fan. So when he had me, and you know, my brother two years later after me, he was like, "Yo, let's make." He's trying to make his kids Liverpool fan. <laughs> I'm three, four years old, right? He buys me a kit. Told my mom to take it back and give me United one, just so I can piss him off. Funny story before we move on. 1996 FA Cup final, 
Eric Cantona scored. This is May 1990, I think. May, April 1990, uh, 1996. My dad kicks me out the house. And my brother. My brother's about to be four. He's three. I'm about to be six. So five and three. Kicks us out. My mom's pregnant with my sister. Um, and she comes outside and says, what, my, what are my boys doing? I told my mom, dad kicked us out the house because United beat Liverpool. This man has been my number one hater since the, since the very beginning. So part of the reason is Andy Cole. Part of the reason is to piss my dad off. So that's my origin story of why I'm United. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Um, so what made you guys move to the States? Like, do you remember? Like, you must remember because you were 10 or 11. So what was the impetus of getting you guys to move our money, jobs, stuff like that? But like, Opportunity. What... I mean, just immigrant stuff, you know? Everybody yeah. always thinks America is a land of living, so you move. Uh, my dad decided that's what I was going to do. And, you know, no 11-year-old can really tell his dad no. What was that impact on you? Because, you know, because <laughs> when I moved, I was in... I was in the middle of first grade, and I remember friends, everybody that was there. I was six. You know, you were a little mm -hmm. bit older, so you have way more memories. It's like a, it's a big sever. I don't know how I put it, but there's like a there's like a delineation between like I have memories in Canada, and then this break happens, and then American things. So like, how was that for you? As I got older, I appreciated it more. When I was younger, I was just really just I hated it. I really hated everything about America. <laughs> Didn't want to do anything with America because I think a lot of people also don't know this. This is a story I, I can tell you. Um, I signed with Charlton Academy. Um, I was actually playing football a lot growing up mm. uh, to the point where I signed with Charlton's Academy. So I'm like, yo, what the like, why am I moving to this country when I got into the secondary school I want to go to? I'm going with all my friends. Am I going to a country I don't know anything about? Um, so I had a lot of regret for America, a lot of hate too, just a lot of just like resentment about this country. But I think as I got older, I appreciated it a lot more, appreciated why I moved here. Um, I've done a lot of great stuff, you know, being an immigrant in this country the past 21 years here, 22 years. Yeah, so I've done a lot of great stuff being here. Um, but, you know, I think culture-wise, it sets me apart, um, which is why, like I say, like I'm a conversationalist, because I can pull from the soccer community. I can pull from, you know, growing up in London in the, in the 90s, you know, early 2000s. And, you know, I have a lot of experiences where, like, the average person who watches soccer in this country, most people really got into it later. I grew up watching the 90s, you know? So when I moved to America in 2002, like in 2001, like one of the things about me was this, like, I knew nothing about NFL. I knew nothing about baseball. I knew nothing about NBA. I became a Ravens fan because the first game I ever saw was the Super Bowl. Ironically, I moved to the Ra I moved to Baltimore. So mm -hmm. I can pull from conversations, like, and I, I'm in the middle of the diaspora, right? Like I grew up in London in the 90s where, I spoke to a lot of like I grew up around Jamaican people. My, my my mom's brother, my uncle, basically raised me as well. And my uncle was just you know locks. He just everyone thought he was uh, Rastafari. So I grew up around a lot of Jamaicans. Um, so you know, so I understand Pascal very well. Um, I understand like you know, so basically you grew up around the diaspora, right? So I understand what it's like to be black in London in England. I know what it's like to be black in America. Also know what it's like to be African as well. So it's like I pull from these different places, and I feel like moving to America at that time really did the best things for me and like it made me realize it made and it, i didn't realize until i got older like how much impact this has on my life and just like the things that i do on a day-to-day -day basis so i'll say it, it was for the best i think everything happens for a reason uh you don't know what the reason is you might never know what the reason is but i moved here for a reason i'm glad i'm glad i moved to america so because i had like the 
obviously my 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 mother's from Canada. She's she's a white woman, put it that mm-hmm. way. But I I had a generally African, I would say, upbringing. The churches we went to, mm-hmm. um, my father obviously being a big influence. Sport and football was a piece of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. I can remember like one of my clear like when 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 I mentioned that delineation, like one of my clear memories is like this might have been the week that we moved, and you know like. Your 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 church family when you're gonna move they give you a send off and all that kind of stuff so like your parents are in there doing prayer meetings and mm-hmm. journey mercies and all this kind of stuff and what we were doing we were playing a football match yeah. outside like the one of the the more well to do people had this like and and, and when you're six so obviously like you feel like it's a big compound it might have been small but you know they yeah. had a full size football pitch is what it seemed like and goals and all that and I remember just playing football that was me then we moved to Virginia of all places. Southwest Virginia, which is its own conundrum. And football is nowhere. If you once you live in it long enough, I did feel this kind of in order to assimilate and to fit in better, I might need to just like not say I'm into this because oh, you watch soccer? What is that? It's not even a sport. They don't use their hands, you know, you know all that kind of yep. nonsense that Americans have. So Bro, I threw myself into, and I was I was I was already a huge basketball fan, but I threw myself mm-hmm. even more into basketball. I threw myself into like, learn, what is this football? Like, th- I threw myself into American football. Nobody, none of you listening can probably beat me in Madden. Like, that was my way of like my in. And there was kind of this, yeah, soccer is this thing on the side that like I'm always into it, but I'm not gonna tell you necessarily because that's that's a piece of me I say for me. Like, did. Did you ever feel like at times you had to put soccer down no. in order to better assimilate, or were you always just pedal to and the my, So my, my very first friend in America, um, he's still my best friend to this day. Um, I remember he would laugh because like he called me in 2018. And I was man, listen, I got I got a lot of jobs I did, but I was selling cars at the time, right? <laughs> and my guy calls me and he's just like, "Yo, guess where I'm at?" I said, "What?" This man was in Wembley Stadium watching England versus Nigeria. It's like that warm-up game um, when Nigeria first released those kids in 2018. And, you know, I was laughing, whatever. And then, he, you know, we, we spoke afterwards. And he was like, yo, I remember middle school. You wouldn't shut up about soccer. I never got it until I came to this game. And I was like, yo, I get it now. And I was like, hey, man, listen, I never hide the fact that I love, that I love football. Like, this is my livelihood. Like, I've been doing this since I was a kid. So mm-hmm. I never hit it. Like, nah, man, I even throughout high school, like throughout middle school, college, like I remember I used to like college, like, oh, wait, like, man, we had the horrible streams and the Ethernet cable. I, I was my... just about to ask you. Bro. Yeah, man, I, I found a way to watch football on, the, on like the 180p uh, streams, like, bro, heavy debt. Like the, the, the laptops back then were thick, man. They were like, like, God, uh, I was waking up 730. My room is like, dude, go to bed. Like, we just came out from a party, like, nah, man, United's playing, gotta watch. And even to this day, I still do that. Like, even, like, you know, my job, I have to be up early on the weekends if I'm working, yeah. but I'm always up watching anything football, man. Like, I don't care. Like, I watch the Dutch League now. Like, I, I watch anything. And the thing is, it's just, like, I love everything about this sport. Like, before we had this conversation, I'm watching Man United U17 team play against LA Galaxy, you know? Like, I don't think people understand, like, my love for this sport is insane, which is why, like, I talk a lot of crap because I played the sport. I've done everything I need to do in the sport. And it's just, like, I know it really well. Obviously, there's still more to learn every time, but never hit the fact that I love soccer. Never. For me, nobody. Because 
what are you going to shame me about? <laughs> like, I'm still going to go home and watch it. So yeah. what you going to do about that? So, yeah. That insecurity when you're a kid is just like, all right, so maybe I won't tell them about Frank Lampard, John Terry, all these dudes. Like, yeah, it's fine. They, 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 they won't understand anyway. Um, but, yeah, I was going to ask you. I remember vividly there was a community shield. I don't remember the year. It was between United and Chelsea. As they as they tended to be in the early two thousands or mid two thousands, and bro, the stream I was using it was so bad, mm-hmm. but I had I like I I faked being sick because they they're on Sunday to get out of going to church. You know the amount of times I fake sickness to try to get out of church because Chelsea are playing at seven, eight, nine in the morning on a Sunday is crazy. Um, but bro, like the street. So how how did you access football? Because football in London and England, just Europe in general, anywhere except America, I would I would presume, is very easy to get. If you're moving and, and you've been accustomed to a certain level of football for 11 years and yeah. you move to the States, is your dad buying the DirecTV extra package to where you can get Satanta Sport, if you remember that? Of course you do. So where you can get all of these different things. Because that was the Fox Soccer Plus when that dropped. I was like, okay, we're cooking a little bit. My mm. homie Sven up the street, he his his family was from, uh, I think, Serbia, Montenegro. He, they had the big flat screen TV that was rare. And he, he played football in Sweden. He played football for the school. They won a state championship. And he was really big into it. And um, I remember just going to his house and we, we would just watch games. That was the only place we could get it. But they had like super duper satellite TV with like a thousand channels or whatever it was. So like how was your process of getting football? before I mean, even laptops yeah man like okay. my dad is the og like i love that dude so much um he found a way man like he found a way and yeah man whatever my dad did we did i mean i remember back when afcon in 2004 like we would always go to some uncle's house he would have he would have he'll have the ghetto hookup and man a ton of us just huddled up over in front of this tv just watching so I mean, it was a world as a way, man. Like, I feel like people don't understand, like, how nah, bad it they was. they don't understand the struggle, like, bro. So when I see Americans complain now, but like, oh, why is this on streaming? Like, why is this? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> man, you know how lucky you are that you can literally turn on your phone and watch it in the bathroom. Bruh. You don't know, man. Like, we struggled back in the day to watch soccer in this country. We didn't have games. Some games you just looked at, was it Soccer Net, ESPN? That's the best we had. Yeah. Privileged, man. People are privileged these days. Yeah. What, what was your first World Cup? 1998. Uh, I was supposed to go to that. I was supposed to go to that World Cup. Last minute, my dad said no because um, my dad was a vendor at the time. He also had a Nigeria football supporters card, so my dad thought it was better for me not to go to France with him. But yeah, I remember 98 World Cup. I remember Nigeria losing to Denmark. I remember Alise's goal. I remember crying because R9 didn't play too well in the final. I France winning, so I remember 98. 98 is my first World Cup. Yeah, I have big memories of 94. I did go to a game in 94. England, Nigeria, Wembley. In November 16th, 1994, I went to that game. Um, Nigeria with these one-off kits. If you want to Google it, Google England, Nigeria, 1994, Wembley. Those are the only times Nigeria won those kits. So I went to that game. So, yeah, that's my first World Cup was 1998. So so at no point have you ever felt a kind of conflict between England, Nigeria? Has has the United States national team ever crept into... Oh, it does for sure. Your identity, I mean, like, are, are you split three ways or? Yeah, no. How's that I mean, work? Listen, I, at the end of the day, I'm a Nigerian man. You know, mm-hmm. like I know where I'm from specifically, and I back with in Nigeria. I'm very much Yoruba on both sides. Like both my parents are Yoruba, but I also understand that 
while I am Nigerian, I was also raised and born in London. There's still some things that makes me different than a lot of Nigerians back home. That's my that's my British sensibilities, right? Those, those are things that, like growing up in London in the nineties that you that you learn, right? Yeah. But I also moved to America when I was eleven years old. So I've been in America the longest out of any country I've ever lived in. So I, I'm very much American. I got an American accent. I went to middle school here, high school here, college here. Um, I work in America. Like I pay my taxes here. I, I, you know, this, this is the country I live in. So I'm very much American. I'm very much, you know, and I hate to use this word entitled to be an American sports fan. I'm not a dickhead. Like, excuse my French, like a lot of American people. You want to say this? Nah, nah, man. Like there's a way to, and like I say, like Bomani Jones says, there's two Americas. I live in that other America. So that's actually Martin Luther King. Yeah, Martin Luther King. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out yeah. Bomani, but you know, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I don't think yeah. he came up with that one. No, no, no. But there are, <laughs> are definitely two Americas, and we live in two different Americas. So, like, I understand what it's like to be in each of these communities. So, there's never been a conflict, man. I've always grown up, just always known, like, you know, I love Nigeria. I love the fact that I grew up in England. I'm Black British. I'm also Black American. So, nah, there's never any identity crisis over here, man. I know I know who I am. I don't, I don't find an identity crisis anymore. However... Mm-hmm. There are things that I will never do. And one of those things is supporting the American national team in anything. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's my Canadian sensibilities. Perhaps it's my Ugandan sensibilities, if, if you want to phrase it that way. But that, there's never been a time where I've been like, hey, yo, Clint Dempsey. Hey, yo, Landon Donovan. Hey, yo, Kobe Jones. Demarcus Beasley. Like, I was never into the American national team because I've never seen myself as American. And perhaps that is that othering that I felt as a kid. But like, so do you see yourself as American? No, and yes, because I've okay. been here so American. But I think the thing is, it's like, and this is a humble flex. I spoke to Kellen Acosta um, when we first started the podcast. It was our mm-hmm. first ever guest was Kellen Acosta. Um, and shout out Kellen, by the way. Kids going to the, <laughs> when we spoke to Kellen, Kellen just started getting calls up to the national team because after they didn't qualify in 2018, Kellen went to call, like almost two years that I'm getting a call up. Finally got a call up. Um, one of the things that Kellen said to me, I mean, if you guys want to go scroll back and listen to that podcast, we were Kellen Costin, the Trailers Plantain Show, was that it's not a lot of black people that's doing soccer media in this country. And I think that's the number one reason why I do what I do. Um, there's not enough soccer media that's black, right? And there's not enough players that look like them. And when they do look like them, they don't interview these players well enough for them to like represent them. Like, you watch the NBA, right? You watch NFL. Like, let's use Anthony Edwards, for example. A lot of dudes relate to Anthony Edwards. A lot of dudes relate to Stefan Diggs. Like, I'm just calling up random Lamar Jackson. Just random players, right? When you look at the soccer U.S. national team, right? Outside of DeMarcus Beasley, Kobe Jones, who really was that black dude for us, like, growing up? There wasn't that many. Like, we going to say Clint Mathis was somebody for us? Clint Mathis wasn't for us, bro. Gio Reyna was not for us. None of these dudes really for us. Clint, like, shout out Clint being great. But none of those guys, Landon, are for us. Big shout out to Moe Adu, though. Big shout out to um, Gucci Onyewu. Shout out to Charlie Davies. Shout out to all those guys, right? But I feel the kids growing up now, if they tell the stories correctly, and this is not me begging for a job, but, like, you hire people like me and you and other people like Aaron West to do these jobs, to interview these players and humanize them, right, and make Americans, like, the average American person doesn't know shit about soccer, Right. If you have someone like myself and Aaron or you or anyone else who's black and understands what's like to grow up in this country and tell these stories, because when I'm speaking to Kellen and people heard him, it's like, oh, shit, Kellen's like a regular black dude. And it's like, yeah, man, he's into fashion like you. He's into music. He's into all these other things. He's into like, you know, and it's like you don't tell these stories to humanize them. Like 
you really make them feel like as if they're like just a corporate chill. And it's like, nah, man, they got a lot of personality. Like Tim Weyer, for example, like that's someone who I personally want to interview because it's like, yo, Tim Weyer's dad is the only person to ever win Ballon d'Or, his dad, right? You have this kid whose dad won Ballon d'Or. You have this kid who's from Brooklyn, who raps, who sings, who plays in France. There's so much things to tell about Kellen, to tell about Tim Weyer, right? And I'm just using Tim as an example. And there's Eunice Musa, and then there's Tyler Adams, and there's Weston. There's so many black kids now who younger kids can look up at when they're our age and in their 20s and their 30s and like, oh, I had this person look up to because we never had that. So that's my thing. That's my only thing is like, I understand it. Like, I understand the politics, everything. And like, you know me, like I color out the lines. Like, I don't really care too much, but I do understand like, hey man, look, you got to tell these stories, man. Like you have to tell these stories because it's important. It's not just important for the now and like, you know, to the World Cup is coming, but it's important for the next generation because now you have other kids following their, direct, their, their steps. I had hoop dreams. They were silly. Yeah. I was never going to be six foot eight or something like that. So, you know, I'm humbly six foot one. I don't say it to brag about to the short people, mm-hmm. but in shoes, six two, I can claim it. Um, so I was I was never going to make the league unless I was some crazy Allen Iverson type athlete. And that wasn't real life. But so I had basketball dreams first and foremost. But you said you had you you were were you with Charlton or was this going to be like a trial or were you accepted? No, like, I, how was I, I signed papers to sign. Signed I'm, papers. Okay, yeah. so, so 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 you were in a youth setup. How were your? I don't know if they're called hoop dreams. How were your ball dreams? How did that pan out? It didn't. So I go from playing football every day in in London, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. really talking about like before school. We play during school. We play during recess. We play after school. And then we do this seven days a week, right, as kids. So, like, we're just playing ball all the time. Like, me and my brother, I remember we used to get in trouble playing ball in the house. So, like, we play all the time, right? <laughs> like, we, we play ball all day. So, you go from doing that seven days a week for, like, a good four or five years. You develop your skills, right? Because that's how it is in London. Like, we play ball all the time. To America, where, like, in order for you to play in this country, you need money. I went from playing every day to not playing for two years. So, you lose a lot of skills, lose a lot of development. When I did find a team, they weren't that good. And I you know physically, I didn't get I didn't get that tall until like maybe 16, 17. So I had late growth spurt, whatever. Um, luckily, you know, I'm, I'm tall now. I'm taller than most of you. I'm not the, not the brag. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm a good 6'3". <laughs> but hey, that's what's okay. Yeah, but like. Center back. Nah, man. Number striker? nine. That was me. I was a striker all day. Okay. Um, but, you know what? You know what? You have a striker's mentality build. and vibe. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. When we first moved here, my younger brother found a team that was right near us, right? And mm. actually, it's going to be a crazy story. You know, I'm going to tell you the full story. So we moved here, me and my brother um, from London, straight from London. We saw these kids playing on the side. And me and my brother are in T-shirts and jean shorts and indoor boots. And we're killing these kids, right? They're my brother's age. So my brother signs with that team. And that team eventually leaves my brother. They're the, they're, the, they're the vehicle that took my brother playing for probably the best high school team at the time. My brother won three nationals. My brother just retired. My brother's still playing professionally. My brother played in the USL. My cousin played in the MLS. So, like, you know, there's talent in my family. But the thing what I'm trying to say is that, like, it was so hard to break through as a professional when we were growing up, you know, like that 06, 05, 04 time. Like, it was so hard. Now you got these kids, like the Christian Pulisic's, the Uranus, they're leaving early. They're leaving going to, what's it called? Germany. Yeah, they're leaving, you know, at, at the right time. So... I grew up as a ball boy for DC United when Freddie Dew was here. I played against Freddie Dew's brother. 
I know the guy on the Tarzi who, who brought up Freddie Adu. So I know a lot of U.S. soccer. So when people argue me about soccer, I'm just like, listen, man, I done seen a lot of stuff that, like, I get jaded from just even talking about it now. But, like, I won nationals. Like I said, my brother won nationals. I played with some of the, like, Ogutiengye was youth coach. is my youth coach. If you guys want to know how, like, you know, what, what if I if you know what I'm talking about. Steve Nichols coached me, coached my brother. Rodney Wallace, who played for uh, Costa Rica's national team, him and my cousin used to play in the same flank, left back, left wing. They used to do whatever they wanted in that left flank. <laughs> so I know a lot of, like, these people. I know a lot of these stories. Like, when the U.S. Academy system switched up in 06, my team was the one who won the first academy. So I know how these stories work out. One of my teammates, Chris Agorsa, um, this, is, this is my last story because I'm going on a tangent, but Chris Agorsa played for um, – my team, Baltimore Bays, right? Chris Agorsa is one of the most talented kids I've ever seen in my life. Chris Agorsa went to Maynard in 08. And this is when Maynard won the um, this is when Maynard won the double, right? When they won the Premier League and Champions League. This is when that that season, right? So Chris is playing in training. He goes, he's, he's a trial manager for two months. So this is what I'm telling people all the time. There's been talent in this country. I mean, some of the most ridiculous players I've ever seen in my life came from America, right? Like we have talent out the wazoo in America. So Chris goes on trial for Mane for two months, killing it. Like, he came back, told us, like, yo, listen, all those players you see on TV that don't look like they're good, like your Dan Fletchers, those guys are insane. Like, the Carricks, the Parks, like, all those guys' touches are just stupidly good. And then he goes, that's even before you get into the Roonies and the Tevez and the Ronaldos, right? I'm training these guys for two months. He said Ferguson told him, um, Salisbury told him straight, don't come back to America. He obviously couldn't get a work permit. Chris comes back to America a year later, tears his knee to the point he almost had to get his leg amputated. Um, Chris had to retire. Um, but what the point I'm trying to say is it was hard to make it pro in America, man, playing ball. But it's hard to make it pro anywhere, but it was especially hard playing mm -hmm. soccer. But I feel it's gotten a lot of a lot easier now. Um, the academy system, the MLS has gotten a lot better. Big shout out to the MLS for just getting better in general. But yeah, man, it, it was hard trying to make it pro. But I think by the time I was like 16, 17, I knew I wasn't gonna go pro. And that's fine. I think one of the things is a lot of people hold on to their dreams way too long. It's like, yo, mm -hmm. go find a hobby. Go find something else to do, man. <laughs> it's not for you. And that's cool. Like, it's, it's fine. Hypothetically speaking, you make it as a professional. Nigeria, America, or England, they all call you. Who are you playing for? Nigeria. No hesitation? Even, even Even if it was breaking through the American system, like the under-17s, under-18s, under-21s? Listen, I speak fluent Yoruba. <laughs> Even right in Europe, like I'm very much Nigerian. Like I don't like I don't play with that at all. Like I'm hundred percent playing for Nigeria. I mean, obviously, like and this is some you know this is some like this is some stuff. But like agents talk to you and this talks to you. But I'm Nigerian, man. Like both my parents are Yoruba. Like my grandparents are Yoruba. Like I my great grandparents. My even those you know like I come from a specific place in in, in Abekuta. Like I can take take you to the exact village I'm from. So nah, man, I'm I'm very much like an it will be Nigeria, England, America in that order. So. Yeah, Nigeria, England. Yeah, see, mine, mine is the same. It would be Uganda, Canada, United States. If I had, you know, they wouldn't even make the list. If I'm honest, like you know how they do the the hats, mm -hmm. like on signing day in college, like they 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 want to have a hat. Ten Hag to United. Initial yeah. thoughts on if that falls through, which it seems like it is. It's gonna happen. Um, love it. Absolutely love it. Is that why you're watching Dutch football or you were doing this previously? 
No, I do that all the time. I'm a, I'm, a <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm really a real life soccer nerd. Like I I, I watch anything, man. Like, Our boy I, Carl's I, practicing his Dutch as we speak. So yeah, like Carl Carl's somewhere practicing Dutch with his girl. Things are happening. <laughs> Shout out to Carl, man. Legend. But I remember when United hired Ragnick in uh, November, because um, I remember it was near Thanksgiving time when I did that. I knew that it wasn't going to, like, obviously, I knew it wasn't going to be all bells and whistles. Like, everyone thought we were going to get top four. I was like, nah, there's a lot of work to be done in this team. And Ralph is going to do a job where, like, it doesn't seem like it's a job, but, like, he's doing a really, like, he's going to do, do a hard task that a lot of people don't really know what his role is. Even now, like, he's like, oh, we should have got top four, this and that. I'm like, it's not a good squad, man. It's not a good squad. There's a lot of recruitment tips. There's a lot of things that, like, you know, there's a lot of things that, like, there's a there's a big disconnect, right? And Ralph is there to do a do an unsexy job. And I always wanted Ten Hag. I felt like when I looked in the market, I was just like, Conte. I know he's good, but that's not someone I really wanted. I look at someone like Luis Enrique, stuck with Spain. Like he's not gonna leave Spain. Uh, who else is on that option? Pochettino, I feel that ship sailed. So I look at Ten Hag, I feel like United have always missed a trick with like certain managers. Like Marino should have been hired in 2013. Um, Dave Moore should never been hired. I don't think he was ready for that job. Um, yeah. LVG was past his expiration date. Um, legend though, love LVG, absolute legend. Gave us some funny moments. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, that was a that was just pure nostalgia and just pure ego from everybody. Like that, that should never happen. I feel right now what route what uh, Eric Ten Hag is you getting him at the right at the right moment like at his peak of hotness right he is right now like arguably one of the hottest managers in the world you can say that right yeah you know one of double Ajax maybe two doubles at Ajax like he's won a lot of Ajax obviously Ajax is and I hate this is one thing I say I hate people say Ajax is a small team Ajax is not a small team bro like Ajax is a is a mammoth of a club. Like, obviously, it's not a Bayern Munich. It's not a Man United. It's not a Real Madrid. But Ajax is the mammoth. biggest, relative to the size of their pond, who's the biggest? It might be Ajax. Like, I don't think people understand what Ajax is. Like, let's just, let's just, like, I mean, we can go through, like, you know, the, the list of players who play for Ajax. Like, let's, let's be respectful to what Ajax is. Like, respect that 95 team who won. We need to respect Johan Cruyff. Like, these are some of, like, the most ridiculous, talented plays in the world come from Ajax. There's a reason why people love that, like, academy. You got the Van der Sars who played there, the Dennis Burkhams, Ruth Kroll, Frank DeBoer, Frank Reichardt, who's one of the best players ever. Um, you got Littman, who was amazing back in the day. Um, Johan Cruyff, you know, Van Basten, who, for me, outside of R9, is the greatest striker of all time. Um, so let's have a little bit of respect for Ajax. You know, Setoff came from there. Edgar Davis, Latin came from there. Wesley Snyder came from there. Luis Suarez played there for a bit. Bro, a lot of talented players, man. Like, people forget, like, so for me, I feel he's done a really good job. And I feel like the more and more you study him, he's a very analytical guy. I think the only thing is that, like, Eric is coming in as a coach, right? And for a lot of people don't know the difference between a coach and a manager. Like, a coach coaches the players. A manager manages the whole entire thing. They need to let Eric coach this team and let him fully get rid of anybody that doesn't agree with him, period. Like, if they don't agree with the way he wants to play, I don't care. I don't care if they're Christian Ronaldo. I don't care if you're Marcus Rashford. Just go, bro. Like, you have to buy into everything that he's doing. Because if you look at Liverpool, they all bought into what Klopp's doing. And Klopp bought players that fit. Luis Diaz fits like a fits to a T. Diego Jota fits in like a T. Van Everybody that he's bought fits in like a T. You need to buy players that fits the coach. Same thing with Pep. 
everyone that Pep buys, and Pep moves them on quickly. Like Fernandinho's going, um, um, Aguero left, so he moves on these players quickly. Like and they go, and that's 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 what made Ferguson the greatest because he knew exactly when players' sell by date was. Like a lot of people try to keep Andy Cole, but he got rid of Andy Cole immediately. Got replacing with Rude, so it's just like you replace these players. And United need to get like better, like with the with the transfers. Like, yo, there's a really bloated squad, and just players need to go. So, I'm excited. Like, I, I'm talking a little bit too much, but I'm very, very much excited about about him. Like, I feel United getting him at the right time, um, and I feel like it's a big open secret. I feel like everyone kind of knew it was gonna happen, but I'm glad that like United didn't mess up and get Pochettino. So, I'm I'm happy about Ten Hag. Word association, and I'm gonna name players, and they're gonna tell me the words first word that comes to your mind. Right? Cool. Maguire. Clumsy. Pogba. Nightmare. <laughs> Cristiano. He can't come to America. That's all I want. <laughs> I know the word that that means. Okay. Uh, Sancho. Talented. Bruno. Enigma. And Rashford. It's a deep think, bro. Man, I'm trying to think of <laughs> Misunderstood. What was your major in university and where did you go? Communication studies, uh, Towson University. Is that in Maryland? Towson, Maryland, yes, sir. Awesome. Okay. Um, how do your parents feel about you doing sports media? They're the ones who told me to do it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, my parents, when I told them I want to write about sports, I think they low-key understood in a way, but they're still like, you need to get your master's. There's still that yeah, man. that we have to deal with. So, like, how are they cool with no doctor, lawyer, engineer? No, nah, man, my mom and dad knew from, like, <laughs> from that this kid is never going to do anything as far as education, man. Just please get your college degree, and that's the, that's the, that's the bare minimum. My parents knew, man. They, they knew they knew what they had. they knew what they gave birth to, man. They knew <laughs> they probably knew that shit like when I was like four or five years old. Like, oh man, this kid is already just like God, man. God bless. That's they already knew, man. Which so 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 for me, my brother is an mm-hmm. engineer. Okay. So he got what I should have gotten probably as the eldest. Mm-hmm. Which one of your siblings is the doctor, lawyer, nurse? None there must us. be one. None of us. None. Okay. Like half hope. Half hope is it is that way as well. Like all of his people are models and my brother. My brother and... is my brother's a, my brother's a professional soccer player. Yeah. And my sister is a professional. So I mean, yeah, what? man. Yeah. Shout out to the parents that that let us do stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to learn about tra- tra- tracheotomies and. Uh, the torts and contracts like uh, just let me watch the sports in the morning time like that's all i want to do um with cbs you mm-hmm. do writing and yeah. you know they send you on location and they they put you in front of the camera essentially which one is more comfortable for you are you comfortable writing being on camera all of like, it man all, all of it? it i love being in front of the camera though and i hated it initially if it wasn't for the shirtless plantain show you'd never see me being in front of the camera but man i love it absolutely i i shine in front of the camera man it is <laughs> when the light when, when when it's time to talk man I, I enjoy it i love it writing social all of it man just any sort of medium to tell a story i'm comfortable with it i think working for cbs one of the things i can say is a lot of people look at micah and like jamie and all these other people in front of tv and think it's an easy thing to do mm-hmm. listen man i'm telling you right now most people would freeze when them lights come on i promise you a lot of you will freeze 
It looks easy, but it's not easy at all. I'm yeah. telling you this right now. Someone who's the, when I first started, it was nerve wracking. But for me now, I've got my reps in for years, and like you know, I, I enjoy it, man. I, I turn the light, you know, turn the camera on. I, I the uh, light switches, man. I I I thrive. I really enjoy it. How do you balance? And I need the word this right. How would I call your personality on Twitter? It's very confrontational, edgy, out there. Like, like, oh, put it. How do you balance being scams when you need to be, and how do you balance being toasting when you need to be? Man, it's a thin line. <laughs> it's, it's a thin line, man. I done got pulled up a little bit from time to time. I got pulled up a little bit, but I mean, listen, I think from the jump, I let people know who I am and what I'm about from the very beginning. Just like, look, man. You can find your professional. You can find your. You can find your professional players like anywhere you want. You can find them anywhere that you like. But me, I'm gonna be me. I don't like to really like hide who I am, what I am, what I'm about. That's just who I am, man. Like I and I think the biggest thing is just like have personality, and that's just how I feel. Like you know, I'm gonna give you some soccer stuff that like you know that the sound like you know that that that's real and like you know some real hard hit analysis. I'm going to also give you the jokes because this is how I was raised to watch soccer. You know, for me, it's like I grew up around my uncles and my dad and like we all grew up as a family to watch this sport, you know, and I feel one of the things is like, don't be afraid to have personality, man. Like I understand like this sometimes, you know, you don't want to piss off this person professionally. That person was like, Hey man, sometimes you just need to call some things out. Like, mm -hmm. That's, it's a thin line. That's, that's the long story short. That's, that's a thin line. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, I have one question. Go, ahead, go for it. <laughs> Your historical references. So, yeah. like, if if England do something with America, you'll mm -hmm. bring out the Townsend Act or some the Boston Tea Party. Are these things that you Google or like? Are you doing quick Wikipedia's or do you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of yeah. treaties? The answer is yes. <laughs> I uh, I did in school. Like I don't know if I have ADD or not, but like I just didn't care to listen to what the teachers were telling me. So I would just study stuff like I didn't need to study. Like I'll just be like, you know, you be in chapter ten, I'll be in chapter twenty, or I'll be in chapter five. Like I didn't care. Like, I'll be in the back of the class, just like, you know, just not studying things I shouldn't be studying. But that's just how that's how just how my brain works. So. Very, I find it very. I'm like, is, is this guy? Oh shit! Like it is. <laughs> like it is a treaty. Like there is something there. So yeah. I just I did, wanted I did that. Today. It's like Rain Man. I saw it today, and I was like, I need to ask about this. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, do you think your accent has made it more difficult to do football content that people find valid, or do you not no. even think about that? I don't care. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, so I don't care, man. If you don't want to listen to me, don't. Like that—that's what I come with. It's just like, hey, man, listen. At the end of the day, if you want to listen to me, you're not. You know, I'm, I'm not here. Like, I, I think that's that's just a thing. Like, I've learned as I've gotten older is that either you don't like me or you're not gonna like me, and I'm not here to change your mind about who I am. This is just who I am, and if you don't like me, hey, man, that's that's your that's on your own. I have. And like it all depends on the words I say and who I'm around. Some accents come in, some accents come out. Like, yeah, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> I see a lot of people say, "Oh, Americans can't take them seriously with football." I'm just like, whatever, bro, man. You got it. <laughs> you see, I I asked it to 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 lead to this one. Like, when did you feel it changing? So so last week I talked to Carl, and yeah. he went to Ghana and Nigeria to cover the football, and he was saying things to me or texting 
in ways mm-hmm. that I'm like, bro, I've known you for four, five, six, seven years now. You don't talk like that. But because he was in his his environment, like his natural habitat, as it were, like he was starting to say things and, and sound like he was from there. So he was code switching, essentially. If I ever go back to London for like a good couple of months, my accent will be gone. I'll be it goes? See, 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 I, see, I was, I was going to add, like, if you lived in London for 11 years, you came to Baltimore, sounded like know, maybe not the queen, but you, you, you came there with an accent. So at what, when did it slip? When did you start sounding more like me? Six months into it. Because I purposely, yeah, purposely took it off. I mean, I, my English accent is still there. I just, pur- I don't, I just don't use it. Like if I'm upset or I'm vet, so if I purposely use it, yeah, it will come out in it. So that, I was about to say it just came out, but like, you, yeah, you, it comes you, out you, in it. You, so. you did it intentionally. Like the only time I heard it slip before was when you said mum, like with the U instead of the O. Yeah. But it's there. So yeah, I find code switching crazy interesting. Yeah. I'm a chameleon. You have to know who you, you have to know your audience is. Exactly. There, there, there's a Bible verse where Paul says he has to be all things to all people. So yeah. when he's in Rome, he's like a Roman. When he's in Greece, he's acting like a Greek. When he's with the Hebrews, he's like a Hebrew. And I, I, I feel that, even if I don't necessarily rock with Paul like that. I feel him on that one. Be all things to all people sometimes. Has working in football changed your perception of it? In a sense of, when I first started doing sports writing, mm-hmm. I didn't want to write about basketball. Basketball is my first love, even, yeah. even more so than football. And I didn't want to make my primary happy thing work some people say if you do what you love then you never work i'm like okay but what do you do when you're not working i guess you have to do something else i like basketball being an escape from work to where i'm not having to look at okay is that iso is that box of one triangle in two like i don't have to do any of that have you found working in football has made it feel more like work so i feel blessed every day i work you know Mm. i just look around it's like hey man listen four years ago selling cars like legitimately selling brand new well, Audis, dirty you know, car salesman. Yeah, I was selling, I was selling brand new Audis four years ago, man. And I, oh, wow. and I, and I ended up quitting that and going back to working. And I went to working, sell, working at Best Buy. I mean, working at Burberry. Quit that. Went to go back working at uh, public relations, which was my first job. Hmm. After working at PR, I got this job at uh, CBS. Right, it's my, about to be two years here. Wow. Every single. Thank you, thank you. Every single day, I'm so grateful to like just the higher ups that like this is what I do for work. Um, I think the one thing it has changed for me though is that like I don't take football seriously um, as like Man United. Like for real, like on, on some real, like I used to get really upset when Man United used to lose. Now I'm just like, oh man, like you guys will do what you want to do. Like if y'all want to <laughs> suck, you suck. Like and like it's something my dad would say because my dad's a hardcore Liverpool fan. My dad used to say back in the day, "Cause look, man." I could give it. I really don't give a damn about these players anymore. But like, I got bills to play. <laughs> but that's like I got bills to pay, and like these players that you see, they're all friends. And guess what? They all gonna go home in a brand new Ferrari or, or a Lamborghini. And like as I start processing that, as what my dad was saying, it made sense. And like now, you know, I work in soccer. I'm just like. You know, I've had access to some some things that people, you know, I don't really want to speak about. I've had opportunities I don't really want to talk about yet. Mm. But, you know, being in this sport, seeing things that people don't like, you know, that that people don't really see. I'm just trying to tell people, like, look, man, look, there's no reason to be upset about your team anymore, man. Like half these guys <laughs> are playing on like they're, they're fans of they're fans of other teams. 
they're fans of teams. Like, for example, Raheem Sterling is a United fan. They all get paid by clubs that, like, they quote-unquote don't like. Like, look, bro, don't get yourself mad. So, Pepe's a Chelsea fan. He's playing yeah, for Arsenal. Like, he doesn't care. He's, he's yeah, like, money, at the end of the day, like, what I'm trying to say is that, like, nah, man, my relationship with ball has changed a lot before working for CBS because now I'm just like, oh, huh. So this mm-hmm. is what it is, huh? So it's made me love the game even more. Made me, like, look at it from a different perspective because when you're working to create content, it is tough. I don't think people understand, like, bro, your head's always going to be on a swivel, like, you always got to be paying attention to this game, that game. Like, it's tough, man. Like, yo, the listen, worst part man. is time zones, man. Whew. My <sighs> God, man. Like, you got to make sure this is on time. You got to make sure this is done. Like, people don't know, like, this is just tough. But for sure, it's changed my, my – it's made me love the game even more. It's made me appreciate the finest wow. things. Do you hope to do this for as long as you can? And if so, what is your dream – job you, you mentioned him earlier so maybe that's why he's on my mind but yeah. you know Bo- bobani got the the hbo show game yeah. theory and i think that's that's a lane that he probably always wanted to do like something on tv something where he's yeah. able to say his thoughts and and get it out in a particular way do you have a vision maybe not that exact not exact same thing but do you have a similar ending spot would you like to do a television show podcast like what like what is your dream thing 10 years from now 10, 15 years from now, I want to be the kind of pipeline for like soccer to culture in a sense. Mm. I want people to understand why we watch this game. I want people to understand why I'm up at six o'clock in, on Saturdays. I want people to understand like, this is not a boring sport. I'm not here to like watch my sport. That's not what I'm doing. I want people to understand that like, this is a this is, this is a lifestyle. This is something that like we do all the time. This is a culture. This is a community. But the biggest thing for me is that I just want to provide opportunities for like younger black kids. I want younger black kids to like, Amen. like oh man, like he looks like me. I could do this. I could do that. And like for me, soccer is just is always it's always been there for me. It's the most consistent thing that's been there for me in my life. Like and I love the sport. I'm always gonna love the sport. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with soccer, but at the end of the day, like, it, it, it's my livelihood. It's my life. You know, it's it's what I do. It's it's what I do. So, I, you know, 10 years from now, it's going to be like, hey, man, look, I did it. I, I created a lane. So, like, the way Virgil created stuff for, like, Black designers is sort of like that in a sense. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I just feel creating a lane for Black kids and just creating a fun lane for people to understand it, like, when I look at when I look at the reporters in soccer, it's just like people take themselves way too seriously. It's just like, yo, it's a fun sport, man. Like, like lost draw. So yeah, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to create something super unique and something that's not really there. So I'm making something that doesn't exist, if that makes sense. Are you ready for the quick fire questions? Yeah, I am. If you could be one footballer for a day, who would it be and why? 1998, Ronaldo and 1994, Romario. They're Brazilian, black, and that answers. Would you want to be Ronaldo in 98 if you know how it ends? Yeah, man. Wow, it's only only for one day. You're right. Yeah, Ronaldo 98 or Romario 94. That's it. The only two answers I can give you. What's your favorite piece of skill? Elastico. (laughs) That's my answer. What stadium haven't you been to that you'd like to visit? Old Trafford. Oh, you haven't been? Nah. I haven't been to Stanford Bridge. I don't know if I'd want to go to Stanford Bridge, actually. (laughs) Time football has made you the most sad. Oh, 
2000 AFCON final, 2009, 2011 Champions League final, both of those. 98 World Cup Nigeria as well, so those four. Time football's made you the most angry. Those four again. <laughs> Anchor and sadness are funny how they work together. Time football's made you the most happy. That's going to be such a head-ass answer when I got my job with CBS. Okay. Will Nigeria win a World Cup in your lifetime? Absolutely not. If I told you Nigeria gets to win a World Cup, but you have to be five foot two for the rest of your life, do you take it? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're putting your country. <laughs> Y'all got it, bro. You didn't have one before. You didn't have one before. You'll be out after. <laughs> He's like, you're not taking a foot off my height. No way. Absolutely not, man. A foot in the inch, man. Don't forget, 6'3", man. Can't, can't, can't be out here, like, calling me 5'2". I'm 6'3". Best film about football, in your opinion? Green Street Hooligans. Green Street Hooligans. See, Have Hope and I have a theory that there's no good film about football. There are good there films that have football included, but there yeah. are no good football films. No, there's none. That's why I say Green Street Hooligans, because that mm -hmm. is the most gangster film ever. <laughs> like, if goal is the best we have, it's bad. It's bad. Bend it Like Beckham's up there, though, so that's a really good You movie. see, but Bend it Like Beckham is not a football film. Fair. It's, it's a, a film that has football in it. It's a rom-com. Exactly. But victory? This is the best we can do? Stop it. Shout out Pele. Yeah. But, nah. This is, this is a change-up. Because I knew we were the same age, yeah, I had to have one of these in here, or two of these. Actually, I have two. Okay. Best mixtape from the mixtape era. Oh, you about to kill me with this one, my friend. <laughs> oh man. Oh, bro, because we grew up in the era, man. We uh, of course we uh, did. We we two dope boys. Uh, on smash that piff. We were there. So who you got? Oh man, I'm going to hate myself for this. I'm gonna change it. Cushion Orange is up there. That's a good oh, one. Oh man, this is this is killing me. I can't think on my feet. So far gone's there. I have a very good experience with so far gone. Yep. Danny Brown XX is up there. Uh, Big Sean's early stuff is up there. Two Chain stuff is up there. Kendrick Lamar. I'm a Theophilus. I'm a Theophilus London guy too. Theophilus, bro. What's 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 the one this charming mixtape? Yeah, man. Uh, oh, no ceilings up there. I'm a Kid Cudi guy because Kid Cudi. Uh, that Jesus. This is a hard question. A kid named Cudi. Burn after rolling is also up there. The Drought Three is also up Going there. Going back to Honolulu. Sorry. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give you one though, for real. I'm gonna give you a real answer. More about okay. nothing. More about nothing. Wale. That's my final answer. More about nothing. Yeah, man. <sighs> You see, I was thinking the Wale ones. I couldn't yeah. choose. But like, yo, I, yo, D, DMV had some guys back then, man. Phil Ade. Yo, Phil Ade's still here. He's still around. He's still with Wale. He's, he's, he's Ade now, but. Yeah, he's still around. Yo, his Rose, such a good tape, man. Yeah, man. Yo, the mixtape era, man, kids these days, they, they don't yeah. know. Kids these great. days even, bro, they were out there. Yeah. Um, I think I think my answer would be Kendrick Lamar EP, though. Yeah, I respect it. Yeah, but I have to, I have to go wild in, man. I have now, to what go. am I saying? The warm-up. That's another one. That's a good one. J. What Cole has some stuff. What am I saying? Okay. Dead or Alive, you're making a festival. 
Okay. Dead or alive. I need a headliner for Friday. I need a headliner for Saturday. And I need a headliner for Sunday. Sunday, we're going to go for Lakuti. Uh, Saturday, we're going to go with Nas. And Friday, we're going to go with Missy Elliott. Wow. That's a good festival. Like, do, do you want my answer? Yeah, please. <laughs> now, of course, I've had time to think about this. The days don't even matter, but these are the three. Jay-Z, okay. Amy Winehouse, and Radiohead. That is amazing. Thank you. Tosin, is there anything that people need to know? Yes, I'm tweeting it right now, actually, too. Hitoshi Nakata is the most stylish athlete ever. Who? Hitoshi Nakata, the Japanese player. He's the most stylish athlete ever. Okay. <laughs> that is really, like, just came to my mind. I am on... Um, I don't know why that came to my mind, but Nakata is the most stylish athlete ever. The guy quit football at 29 years old to become like, you know, more Japanese. He went back home to Japan because, you know, his whole career was just about making the football. He now is a multimillionaire off of making sake. And all he does is just get fly. And he is like, and now I think a lot of people know, like when I tweet about menswear, like, you know, it's not a joke. Like I literally, like if it wasn't for football, my first job in America, in, in New York was I, was, I was this fashion stylist. That's like what I used to do. Um, Nakata is the most stylish athlete ever. I, I, I think, I, I think What's I've been trying name? to rack my brain. Nakata? Yeah, N-A-K-A-T-A. Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's close to a, to a word there. Yeah, Nakata's <laughs> that guy, man. Like, bro, I am looking at the cuts right now on some of his suits and some of his, like, yeah, Nakata's that guy. Yeah, he's the most stylish athlete ever. So. There you go. That's, that's what the people need to know. Tosin, one more time, tell the people where they can find you, where they can follow you. Twitter name is Nigerian Scans with three S's. My Instagram is Nigerian Scans with one S. I do stuff with CBS Sports Galasso, Shirtless Plantain Show. You can find that on Google. Um, we do podcasts every week. Um, big reveal. We might be bringing out to YouTube soon. So that's a little exclusive. So, so yeah. All right, guys, this has been Talking Tactics. Oh, it hasn't been Talking Tactics. It's Talking With. You, you know how you get into like a certain like like once you start the sentence because you've said it over and over and over again. Yeah, it just goes. But no, this is talking with shout out to the homie Tosa for coming on. And yeah, we will see you guys next Thursday with somebody. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. <laughs> peace, guys. Peace, peace, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.